Amen. Amen. Blessings to you. You can be seated. Great to see you this morning and welcome everyone who is joining us online. It is so good to have you with us and we are delighted that you have taken some moments and you have found Crossroads Church. Blessings to each and every one of you and to those of you in the house. Bless you. Bless you. You look great. You're great. You look great. Good to see you all. You know, we are, uh, this is a great month. This is November. Can you, can you believe that? I'm, I'm telling you, I think it's still March. You know, it just feels like everything kind of stopped at March, you know, and then we've had eight months of March. So anyway, <laughs> anyway you know, it, it is what it is, and this is November, and you know what November means. November is really that traditional month when we start in a little bit more intentional way of just being grateful. And I'm going to be, we're going to be starting a new series next week. Here's the title of that series, you ready? Gratitude Adjustment, okay? Gratitude Adjustment. So we're going to be talking about gratitude for three weeks. And not only that, I'm going to encourage you to do something. Maybe you haven't been following us on social media, but if you have, let me, let me re-engage, or if you haven't, let me encourage you to do so. Watch on Thursday, okay? I do a video on Thursday every week that is just let me encourage you Thursday. I'm going to be talking about some things on Thursday I don't want you to miss. So we're going to be beginning really on Thursday. I'm going to give you a little hint, 21 days of gratitude. And so different ways that we can be thankful, okay? And even this morning, <clears throat> I want to just start, I want to put, put just a little bit of a, a prompt out there for you. And here's that prompt. Circle of Care, and we're going to talk about missions today, and Circle of Care is one of those wonderful, wonderful uh, partners that we have, and they're right here at Crossroads Church, and I'm grateful this morning. Chuck and Terry are here, our directors. They do such an amazing, amazing job. <laughs> Blessings to you, and I'll be talking a little bit more about all of that. But over this past eight months, we have seen exponential increase of serving people within our community. And even to the point, you ready for this? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 families a week is where this has gravitated towards. 1,000 families a week. And typically, it was about 300 to 400 families a week, a little bit more, very up and down. It's literally tripled, literally tripled. And I am so grateful for all that God has done and provided every everything that has been needed to meet the needs and then even in abundance. God is so amazing what he has done. This has been God, 100% God. And we're grateful for that. So why am I talking a little bit? About, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is one way to be grateful, okay? We're going to be giving you an opportunity to buy a turkey card, okay? A turkey card. Yep, you heard me right, a turkey card. That turkey card is only going to cost you 10 bucks. But what that turkey card is going to do is going to provide a gift card for everyone who comes to Circle of Care so they can go out and buy a turkey for, for Thanksgiving. And we want to do that, okay? So that's going to start next week, and we're going to have turkey cards available next week, and you can pick them up and, and buy the turkey card so we can provide a wonderful Thanksgiving for those who we have the privilege and the honor of serving each and every week. And I want to tell you, it is a privilege and it is an honor to serve those who come to this, this facility three days a week. And I also want to just say a huge thanks to the volunteers who just do an amazing job 
just so selflessly give. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. That's my thanksgiving for today. And I think we can find different ways over these next 21 days to be grateful. And I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to produce some things that will help you be grateful, and maybe in some non-traditional ways over the next three weeks. Well, today, we really are focusing on missions, and wasn't an amazing last weekend? Oh, my goodness. I tell you, I, uh, I, I, was, I was blown. I was simply blown away. And honestly, we've, Marcy and I have lived that story. We lived that story from the beginning. That means from 26 years. We lived that story. To see what God has done is nothing short of miraculous. I wish it was one of those messages that we could have archived. We could not for a variety of reasons. But I just want you to know something. God is at work in various places in this world that sometimes we don't think he is necessarily, he's even concerned about. And that's really what today's message is about. And it's just compelled. Compelled. That's the theme of our mission's emphasis of 2020. Compelled. Each of you should have received this card when you came in, we do this each and every year. This is our missions commitment card. And maybe you have not made a commitment to missions. And what that means is, uh, it means that we take something separate from our regular giving, our regular tithes, over and above. And I, I say this every year. It isn't about the amount. It's about the participation. If all of us are doing something, needs are met. And we are providing for our missionaries literally around the world today by what we give. It releases them to accomplish the call of God on their lives. Nicole Herrero, who was doing worship this morning and hosting for us, he's one of our missionaries from our church. So I want you to prayerfully consider this over the next few weeks. But keep this with you. Keep it close. We're going to make sure we address it time and again. But compelled, compelled. It's the theme of this, this year. And to be compelled, it means you have a powerful, irresistible drive. A powerful, irresistible drive or force to a particular course of action. You're compelled to do something. I want to show you a slide. It's a slide of a beach. And it's a, be it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty beach. You know, you can see the tide is way out. And this is a, it's a beautiful beach. And I had the privilege of being at that beach in 2014. Let me show you another slide that may be a little bit more familiar with what this beach is all about because that's the beach. It's Omaha Beach in Normandy, France. Very different on June 6, 1944 when 156,000 American, British, and Canadian troops landed in Normandy on a quest to liberate Europe from Nazi tyranny. And it's amazing that you look at this, and there was only a one in four chance of survival on that day. 25%. But 156,000 said, we're going to do this. You say, well, you know, it's a, little, it's a little different, Gary, because they were ordered to do so. They were commanded to do so. Yeah, they were. And they obeyed their orders. They followed through. And you know what is extraordinary when you... I would just say it this way. They were compelled. They were compelled. And we're the benefactors of them being compelled and, and being driven to that particular cause. Listen to what the commanding general, 
Dwight Eisenhower, just a snippet of his speech prior to D-Day. He said, soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you're about to embark on a great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hope and the prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. The freemen of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us beseech the blessing of, the, of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Powerful speech. Powerful words. There was a cause. They were compelled. And not only did they win the day, not only did they win the day, but in less than one year, they would win the war. Because of a driving force, a cause to which they were committed. Now, it's easy for me to draw a parallel to the cause to which you and I are called to accomplish. And it's really called the Great Commission. Because you see, our Commander-in-Chief has given us marching orders. And we are driven to a cause, hear me, to a cause that is the greatest cause in all of human history. And that is the cause of Jesus Christ and the Great Commission. So we're going to talk about that for a few moments this morning. Don't ever forget this verse. It's a, it's a verse that each one of us should commit to memory because it's, so, it's not only easy, it's so profound. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus commits to us this incredible cause. And my hope this morning is that each of us would have a new sense of being compelled to do what God has called us to do. When you read the New Testament, you have four accounts of the life of Jesus. Then you have the book of Acts, which is really a historical book. It begins, it, it tells us what Jesus continues to do. And in fact, one writer would say, you, you can even read it. Luke says this. He says, this is what Jesus continues to do. So in each of those five books, we have the essence of this great commission. I want you to look at these verses with me. Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Mark 16. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, Luke 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead. On the third day, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There, there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent, and you are witnesses of all of these things. John 20. Then he said, Peace be with you. 
The Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You can see that the commands, that the authority are here. Each story of Jesus and then the history of the church, it's all there. It's all there. It is a powerful reminder that God has called us to do something extraordinary. It is reinforced again and again and again. So for a few moments, what I want to do is I want to talk about the Great Commission. And that we are compelled to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And if you're joining us online, make sure you go to YouVersion. You'll have all of the notes there, the points, the scriptures. You'll be able to follow along with us. There, there are a few things that I want to talk about. The first one is this. The Great Commission is a response to overwhelming need. The Great Commission is a response to overwhelming need. Have anybody, in, anybody here today would say, have you heard of a thing called COVID-19? Has anybody heard of that? Nobody's, raising, nobody's responding. I, I'm really, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Why do I say it that way? It's not to make light of it. But we have, it's been relentless, hasn't it? We, there's literally not a day that goes by that we don't hear something about it. Now, why do I bring up COVID-19? Listen to this. Here's what COVID has wrought upon us. A steep increase in cocaine, heroin, and meth, and fentanyl use. Stress and anxiety is increasing. Mental health challenges. And it has exacerbated suicide risk factors. See, these are things that people don't talk about. There is a physical toll that COVID takes. No one denies that whatsoever. Not, not at all. But there are things that are underlying that are needs that are going to last far beyond the eradication of COVID-19. And why do I bring it up that way? Because there are so many needs that we face today within our world. Jesus was not unaware of that. Listen to what he said in Luke 24, or excuse me, rather what was said of him in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. Matthew 9, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus came to meet every need every need. And the truth of the matter is we begin to see needs and it's easy to become overwhelmed. Listen to what Oswald Chambers wrote many years ago. He said, in missionary enterprise, the great danger is that the call, that God's call, listen to this, is effaced by the needs of the people until human sympathy absolutely overwhelms the meaning of being sent by Jesus. The needs are so enormous, the conditions so perplexing, that every power of mind falters and fails. We forget 
that the one great reason underneath all missionary enterprises is to go therefore. You see, we get overwhelmed with the need and often we then just set it aside and say, I can't do anything about it because it's so big. In 1991, I was traveling in then Yugoslavia, which is now Croatia. The, uh, the Yugoslav nations all broke out into their separate, you know, Slovenia and uh, Croatia and Serbia and Montenegro and uh, Bosnia and Slovenia. So all of them are broken up. At that particular time, they were still unified. We were traveling on a missionary. I was there with a missionary and traveling and doing a whole bunch of stuff. I still have in my mind a picture. I'm dri- we're driving down a very kind of a beautiful mountain road. And in the valley is just filled with houses. Beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. All of these red roof houses. And that's very typical in Eastern Europe. And it is just amazing. So I see all of these houses. And I asked my missionary friend this question. How many churches are there? He said, zero. There's none. That was in 1991. That was 29 years ago. Today in Croatia... The, the Evangelical Pentecostal Church, which is a part of the World Assemblies of God Fellowship, that's our fellowship, 40 churches. 40 churches in a nation of 4 million. That can be overwhelming. You look at that and you say, well, what, what can one person do? What can one person do? I understand when we look at this, the needs, and this is a phrase, just keep hang on to this, the needs can seem overwhelming, but God... But God is able to do more than we can think or imagine. He is our healer. He is our help. And he is our hope. He came. He came to, for, to, for the despairing. He came for those who were wounded in spirit. He came to release those who were, were bound up. He came to set prisoners free. Jesus can do this. But the needs, honestly, the Great Commission is a response to overwhelming needs. The second thought this morning is the Great Commission is not optional. It's commanded. It's commanded. Just as those individuals on D-Day, they were commanded to do something. They did it. But we don't seem to look at our command from our commander in the same vein. But yet we're not talking about only physical oppression and only physical death. We're talking about an eternity separated from God. That should blow our minds. That should, right at this very moment, whether we're joined online or whether we're in person, that should grip our hearts and say, God, what can I do to turn the tide? What is my part? What is my role? Hudson Taylor, amazing missionary, spent 51 years in China and founded the China Inland Mission. This is what he wrote. He said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. That's where you and I must face the reality of what our commander-in-chief is asking. When Jesus said in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, what part of that very direct command is optional? There isn't any. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 5, listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I get an amen with that? We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves, look at this, are your servants for Jesus' sake. 1 
For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at this. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You see, although we are fragile, although we don't feel like we have a whole lot to offer, I want you to know something. There is a treasure that each one of us carry that is a life-changing, life-altering message, and we are commanded. It's not an option to take that message to those who don't know Jesus. So the Great Commission is not optional, it's commanded. Third, is the Great Commission is not limited to one region or one group of people. Not one region or one group of people. Acts chapter 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and out <clears throat> throughout Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so I would give you four different areas, four different regions. The first is local. We have a responsibility to those closest to us. And hear me, hear me, hear me. Every one of us, every one of us have a responsibility to those who are closest to us, and that begins with our families. It may be the very, they may be the very hardest individuals to share the good news of Jesus with, but yet that is our responsibility. It is our neighbors. It is those who are closest to us, local. Our Jerusalem includes families, neighbors, cities, schools. What about regional? Native Americans. I, and there's a missionary that you're going to get to meet one of these days soon. His name is John Bass. John Bass is a missionary to the Native American population in California. And it is extraordinary what God is doing through John. And we're going to be, he's going to be one of our missionary partners shortly. As soon as we kind of see things kind of come back to a little more sense of whatever normal is. I'm not sure what that is. But whatever, whatever that looks like. John's going to be a part of our team, reaching Native Americans. You know, it's, it's Tim and Linda Buttry who are part of us, who serve in, in Ohio to, to couples and, and individuals in, in difficult places, and they're bringing the life of Jesus Christ to them. That's the regional side of things. I think of what all that happens in Mexico, which is somewhat foreign, but it's also regional because it's so close to us. We have such a great thing that, that we're able to be a part of right across the border in La Mission and with Dora Faith and Open Arms and down in Ensenada with, with, with Cecilia and, and Geronimo. Gavin is so good of what God is doing there. These are regional things that we're a part of. And then I go to this one, marginal. What does that mean? Remember what Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. Samaria really can talk about the marginalized, the disenfranchised, those who maybe have come here from another country. They're foreign born and yet trying to find their way. We're called. We're called to, to all of these groups, the, the local, the regional, the marginal, but there's one more. And just before I go on, this is a great phrase. We dare not pass Samaria on our way to the ends of the earth. You see, it's easy to walk by those who have the great need right in front of us because we're on our way, because that's where we got to go. No, it doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. It means that they're equally important. Jesus gave his life for all. Psalm 82.3 says, Defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and the oppressed. Matthew 25, the king will reply, I, told, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, 
did for me. And then there's the global side, the global side. And I want you to look at this image. This image represents the unreached people groups within our world. I, I, I hope you catch how important this is. While we are to be involved locally and regionally and in the marginal parts of society, we can't, we can't neglect the global side of things. That's why a Nicole Herrera was called to France. That's why we have a Marla Campbell in Europe. That's why we have a Scott Hansen in Africa. That's why we have, we have missionaries literally all over the world. Dale Code, Paul Kazem, there, it just goes on and on and on. Jason Friend, the Snyders, I could just continue. That's why they're going, because there are unreached people in this world to the tune of about 42% of the world's population, which is 7.8 billion people. Do you understand? 42% of 7.8 billion is a whole lot of folks who have no hope, who are under the tyranny of this present world and the adversary of their souls. They are locked up in prison. They are in despair. They are overwhelmed. They are confused. And Jesus is the answer. That's why we do what we do. We must, be a, we must be global Christians with a global vision because God is a global God. He gave his life, gave his son for everyone. Don't ever forget the good news about the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14, will be preached in all the world to every nation. And then the end will come. Acts 2, 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We have a call. We are to be compelled to reach this world. The Great Commission is not limited to one region or group of people. Also, the Great Commission is done in partnership, not in isolation. This is one of the things that I am so blessed and I'm so proud to be a part of the Assemblies of God. Are we a perfect fellowship? Of course not. But I'm telling you, I am so blessed to be a part of the fellowship of the Assemblies of God. And if it's for no other reason, it's the partnership we have in missions. And what we share around the world, the Assemblies of God right now is 2,700 missionaries around the world in about 252 countries and territories. Praise God for that. It started humbly with just a few, and now look at what God has done. Multiple millions of dollars are given every year in the support of our missionaries around the world. You see, the Great Commission... The Great Commission is too large, hear this, it's too big for anyone to accomplish alone and too important to not do together. You, you and I, one person, we can't do it all, but together, is there anything we can't do? Remember what happened on D-Day, 156,000, by, by the way, 2,501 Americans gave their life that day to liberate Europe, 2,501 but I will tell you, it wasn't one person who did it. It was the 156,000 on the front lines, but it was the home front producing, producing every piece of material that was needed to win the day and win the war. And it's the same today. You may not be one of the 2,700, but you are at home doing what God has called you to do. And that is, we'll talk about what those practical responses will be. I'm grateful for our team of missionaries, and here's a, here's a slide of just our missionaries. These are the individuals who serve our church. 
around the world, literally around the world. And I'm so specifically proud of, of the Galvans who are a part of our church, of Nicole who's a part of our church, the Buttries who are a part of our church. I, I'm so proud of, of the Randy and Becky Youngs who are a part of us. I'm so blessed to be a part of Circle of Care. I'm so blessed that we can serve with Care Right. I'm so blessed for Convoy of Hope. Just so you know, your Feed One donations and your one-day offering every year are helping to feed 300,000 children every day around this world. Bless you in Jesus' name. That's what God is doing. It's in partnership. It's in partnership. Philippians 1, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy and You've been partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. The Great Commission is done in partnership, not in isolation. The Great Commission also requires supernatural power to be accomplished. Jesus made it very clear, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28. He's very clear about that, that he would be with us. How is he with us? He is with us through his Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. You see, again, it's not, all of these things are true. You and I desperately need the supernatural power of Jesus Christ in our life to do what he's called us to do. Now, you can get a little better amen than that. It is absolutely essential. We need the Holy Spirit's power to do what God has called us to do. I cannot, I cannot stress enough of how important it is, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 5, to be filled with the Spirit in order to accomplish the commission that God has given to us. The Great Commission requires supernatural power. Also, the Great Commission requires a practical response. I mean, that's where it comes down to. These things that I've already shared, they're all good. They all make sense, but it requires a practical response. So I'm going to give you a practical response. Here we go. Three things very quickly, all right? But before I do that, I'm going to tell you I stole them. I stole them from Rick Warren. So there you go. So if you have an issue with these things, you go talk to Rick Warren at Saddleback Church in Orange County, okay? They're really good. He's also really famous for doing alliteration and rhyming, all of these different devices to help people remember. So I'm going to give you three words. All you got to remember, three words. You ready for this? Three words. <clears throat> Share, dare, and care. There you go. The first one is this. We need to share with those that are in our world. We need to share with those who are in our world. There's a lot of different ways to do that. You can do that, especially during the month of November, with just being grateful. Expressing gratitude to somebody else. Maybe it is walking across the street to that person who may just need somebody to stand on their doorstep with a mask on their face and just say, just thinking of you, praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you? Let me tell you something. Sharing the love of Jesus with those in your world has a powerful impact of accomplishing what God's called us to accomplish. Luke 8.39 says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. I'm looking, I'm looking out at the audience, I'm looking into the camera this morning, and here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm seeing, is a better way of saying it. God's done something amazing in you. I'm going to do it again on this side, because that, that side wasn't very responsive. Okay. God's done something amazing in you. Why not share it? That's what it is. It, it's, it, yeah, you can tell the big story. Tell your story. Tell your story. 
God's done something good for you. Tell somebody about it. Just say, this is what God's done for me. I just want to, this is what God's done. Praise God. The second thing is to dare to reach beyond your world. Okay, so you care for those in your world and you dare to reach beyond. And what's really cool about this, there are three ways that we can do that. We can pray, we can go, and we can give. Or, as I put it this way, we must pray, we must pray, we must go, and we must be generous. We must pray. Ephesians chapter 6, pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. Fearlessly. We must go. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? I, I don't want to single anybody out, but I'm going to single somebody out. Okay? I see right here to my right a wonderful friend, Dinah Fowler. Dinah serves on our board. And a couple of years ago, Dinah went to Mexico. And the testimony that she gave coming back from Mexico still sticks with me. Of what God did in her life in that short-term time away. Every one of us could do it. Now, I understand. Here's what's happened in 2020. 2020 has disrupted everything. It's disrupted those kinds of trips. But you know something? I'm going to go on record as saying 2021 is coming, and it is going to be a different day. We're going to do that again because I'm going to get a better amen even than that. That was pretty good, but we can even do better. I'm going to go on record as saying there is a different day coming. 2021 is going to be a great year in Jesus' name. And we're going to get back to doing the things that God has called us to do, like getting across the border and serving in capacity. So you can go. You can do it. You can do it. Maybe there's somebody in the room who God is putting their hand on and saying, Mexico is good, but I've got a foreign place a long ways away that I'm setting aside for you. And God's putting that in your heart, even at this moment. Nothing would thrill me as your pastor more than you walk up to me and say, Gary, God has called us to go here. How do we do it? Yeah, figure it out. That's as good as it gets. You, can go, you must go. Matthew 9, 37, he said, this time of the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then we must be generous. It's really more than money. It is money. It's your treasure, yes. But it's also your time and your talents that you can give away to accomplish the call of God on your life. 2 Corinthians 9, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Amen. I like that. So and then the last thing is to care. Well, one last thought. The Great Commission will not be fulfilled by our spare time <laughs> or our spare money. Let that sink in a little bit. The priority and finally, we care about our whole world. Everyone in the world has the right to hear the good news of Jesus. That's what God's called us to do. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Great Commission requires a practical response. Ready? Share, dare, and care. Got it? Everybody say it with me. Share, dare, care. You got it. Respond in those ways. 
God will bless you. I want, as we close this morning, I want to rephrase Eisenhower's speech proportionately for our topic this morning. Ready? The eyes of heaven are upon us. The hope and prayers of gospel-proclaiming people everywhere march with you. We're marching together in victory. We will accept nothing less than every person hearing the gospel of Jesus. And we beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Let it be so. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Speak to us, we pray.